0: Good morning, Orchard people. Welcome to our first Sunday service of 2021. My name is Doug Self. I'm Pastor Emeritus. I'm Daniel's dad. And I identify myself for those of you who have begun watching online. Literally, we have people from coast to coast. And so that's who I am. And uh, this is the first message of the new year. Daniel has decided that our first month's theme would be Awake. So our first month's theme for 2021 is Awake. How do we need to awake? Well, there's some things that'll wake you right up. Now, for example, years ago, I was a youth pastor in Fort Worth, Texas, and we were going to take a group of people down to the uh, Rio Grande River to uh, go over into Mexico and help people out build houses and do vacation Bible school. So we took a scouting trip. The pastor, Hubert Long and I, uh, got in a small single engine plane with a um, pilot who uh, had been in the military. I was a little uneasy about uh, riding in a small plane, so I I said, should should I be scared? He said, nope, nothing to be scared about. If you look over and I'm scared, then you can get scared. But he didn't seem to have a problem with it. And sure enough, the flight down there was so smooth. We landed in Harlingen and uh, did our scouting to where we would stay and what we'd be doing. And then as the Uh, Evening wore on, I believe, was um, maybe an hour or so of sun left. We took off from Harlingen and headed north back to Fort Worth over the Texas hill country. If you've been there, it's beautiful, very lush and green. And so we're flying along. I remember looking out, such a peaceful view to the west, the sun and little lakes and the sun sparkling on the lakes. And I was just almost drowsy to go to sleep all of a sudden the plane bam started violently shaking and i do mean violently and i'm looking around what happened i asked the pilot what happened and and i looked and sweat was pouring off his forehead and it appeared to me he was scared so i was scared and and i said what happened he said i don't know i don't know and and he handed me this uh, flight map he said find us a landing strip (laughs) here i am a seminary student what do i know about flying i look around Pastor Hubert Long in the back is praying. I was—I prefer to look back and see Jesus asleep. And I said, Jesus, get up and take the wheel. Well, that didn't happen. I found a landing strip, um, found a little lake, and it was north of us where we were headed. And so um, I pointed that out to the pilot, and uh, he's still frantic trying to figure out what's going on. But he says, yeah, we'll do that. So sure enough, we get over the lake, and we need to land. It's a uh, north-south landing strip we need to land headed south. And he said, we've got to lose some altitude. We're still too high. And oh man, if it can get more complicated. So we start going around to the left, circling around to come in to land from the north. And he said, I've got to cut the engine. (laughs) Cut the engine, oh no. And and he cut it. Everything's quiet, just going along gliding. And sure enough, he turns it around, banks it, and uh, comes in, perfect landing. Uh, and believe me, we were relieved. There's this old farmer. He drove up in his truck, and we get out, and we look at the front of the plane. About six inches of one end of the propeller had come off, and that caused a vibration. This old farmer said, Well, I can get a saw out of my truck and saw the other end off. You can fly on into Fort Worth, (laughs) but there's no way the pastor and I were getting back on that plane for anything. It's kind of like when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus, and the storm came up, and they panicked. They, they woke to a storm, and Jesus was asleep in the back. And they wanted to wake him up. Here's, here's what happened. It's in Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 35. Um, little orientation. Jesus and the disciples are on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles north to south, 8 miles across. You can see across it. Um, and they're on the west side, which is the Jewish side. All of it's under the Roman Empire, occupied, but traditionally the Jewish people live on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. And on the uh, east side would be a Roman province with uh, Romans, uh, ex-military people who'd settled there, uh, military and pagans. So uh, Jesus and the disciples were on the east side, the Jewish side of the lake, and he was teaching all day long. If you look in chapter 4 of Mark, you can see that he was teaching about parables all day long. And uh, at the end of the day, it says, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, they had been following him probably, maybe a year at this point, but they were probably still like, what? You wanna do what? First of all, we need to be finding shelter and getting something to eat. But you want to go over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee? What's over there? We're good Jewish boys. Why would we want to go over there? And it's getting dark. But it says, they left the crowd that Jesus had been teaching, and uh, they took him, tired as he was, into the boat. Um, And verse 37 says, a furious squall, a, a, a storm hit that lake. See, the Sea of Galilee is below sea level, and there are mountains all around it. And so it can be very calm at one moment. And then almost immediately, the winds and the clouds can come boiling over those mountains and cause a serious storm in the Sea of Galilee, whipping up the whitecaps. And that's what happened here. The waves broke over the boat, and it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern in the back, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now these guys, they're panicked. Four of them are seasoned fishermen. They've been on this lake, on the Sea of Galilee, all their lives. So this must've been a terrific storm beyond even what they were accustomed to. And it was dark and uh, Jesus was asleep. They panicked, terrified, ran around, finally went back and shook Jesus and and tried to wake him up. And they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown, it wasn't really a request for help. I guess they just wanted to wake him up so he could watch while they all drowned and the ship would sink. They had forgotten, you see, that Jesus had said originally, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, hey, let's go out in the middle and sink this boat and drown. No, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And I can tell you, with Jesus in your boat, it doesn't matter. You don't drill holes in it, put rocks in it. It's not going to sink at all. But they had forgotten that they were terrified. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. They saw this take place. And in the Jewish mindset, the, uh, the, the nature, wind, waves, rain, storms, sun, were only controlled, could be controlled by God. And so when Jesus got up and took authority and simply spoke to the wind and the waves, and they all calmed down, they woke to the reality of Jesus' identity. Maybe not solidly, but they had to at least consider the possibility this somehow is God. Our rabbi has godly powers. They awoke to a supernatural reality. Now, Jesus, he awoke from a calm, peaceful sleep. He awoke and calmed the storm. Better scenario, huh? And then Jesus said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? (laughs) This is is so funny. I mean, it's like Jesus expected them um, to do something different than what they did, to get absolutely terrified, and then to... uh, uh, wake him up like that but they were afraid partially because the jewish mindset was under the waves and in the bottom of the sea was the abyss and that's where satan and the demons were so they not only were afraid of drowning they were fearful of uh, falling into the hands of satan now it's, what's interesting is kind of funny years ago over a period of time i took a bunch of guys on camping trip in august called the pastor's sabbatical we go out for a week and uh, go to the San Juans and take a week and uh, spend in discipleship and camping, hiking, uh, just outdoors. But we focused on a passage of Scripture. And so I would give the guys, uh, before we went, a picture Bible. Now, it's what you would think. It is uh, cartoons depicting what happened in the Bible and uh, you can probably get this for your kids still. We read it to our kids when they were little, but what it does is it gives you a complete overview of the highlights of the Bible that you can read, gosh, I guess in a couple of hours. And I wanted the guys to have a context on the life of Christ because when we got there, we would work through what's called a simplified harmony of the gospels. Now, what this does, it takes all of the events, all the teachings, everything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, puts them in chronological order. So you can go from one event or one incident to the next, from one day to the next. So you have a context for what's going on in the life of Christ. Like, for example, here, the disciples had been with Jesus for a while. They had seen him do miracles. They'd seen him turn water to wine. They'd seen him uh, heal people. But this was a whole other category where they had to just, they were, well, it says the next, next thing here is they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Our teacher, we thought we knew him, but we did not know his authority as God. So they woke to the reality of the authority of Jesus and his well, his identity as God. So it, it goes on in chapter 5. They're going to the other side of the lake. Remember, it must have been overnight. Now it's the next day. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerizines. Now, that eastern side of the lake, I told you, is a Roman province um, populated by, well, there were uh, there was a legion, a, a military unit of soldiers there of 6,000. There were retired military uh, personnel who would settle in these occupied territories. And then there were the inhabitants uh, who were mostly pagan. They weren't a Jewish background at all. Uh, that was on the western side of the lake. So they arrive in the area of the Gerezines, which is also called the Decapolis. Um, Deca means ten, Apolis is uh, the uh, city. So there were ten cities on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, the Decapolis it's called. And that area uh, was completely different than the area that they came from. They could look across there eight miles and they could see the shore and the cliffs. In fact, uh, Hippos was one of the cities on the Decapolis. They could see it eight miles across. Now to give you a comparison, uh, the top of Sopras is 12 and a half miles from here where we are. Um, And you can see the top of Sopras from here. In fact, uh, for many years, I would take people climbing to the top of Sopras every summer, and I took pictures from the top, and we would get up there, and we would look, and we could see Carbondale and even see this area of town fairly clearly so these Jewish boys could see that other side of the lake, and their parents probably told them, don't ever go there. It's like, well, it'd be like looking at Las Vegas because from where they came from on the western side of the lake. So when they got over to the shore, um, began beaching the boat, I imagine one of the disciples must have gotten out, and he was facing Jesus, his back to the shore. Jesus started to get out, and there began to be an uproar. And what happened, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet Jesus. It says this man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him. See, they had tried to tie him up or chain him up. He'd just broken them. And what it did, he lived among the tombs. He lived in the graveyards, and he was uh, night and day uh, screaming, yelling, crying out, and cutting himself with stones. So here's this guy come running at them, a crazy guy um, who is probably very dirty and bloody. He's cut himself, and he's yelling and screaming. And, and in the middle of all of that, I mean, this disciple facing Jesus doesn't know what's going on. He sees the other 11, and they're probably shocked and terrified again. It's like, Jesus, we told you we shouldn't go over here. And then all of a sudden, here comes this, this threat. And Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. And he said that while the man was coming and running toward Jesus. It says that he ran and fell on his knees in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God you won't torture me. You see, this demon-possessed man had more of an understanding of spiritual reality than the disciples did. Because he recognized him as the son of God. The last time this demon had seen Jesus was before the rebellion that Satan instigated in heaven, which resulted in a third of the angels following him and being fallen to the earth, becoming demons. So the last time this demon had seen Jesus, Jesus was in his glory, son of God in heaven. And now he sees Jesus in human form, fully human, fully God, walking on the wrong side of the lake. And he's afraid that Jesus will torture him because he knows that Jesus has authority over him just to speak to him like he spoke to the waves and could do anything. And he says, Swear to God. (laughs) Isn't this crazy? The demon-possessed person is wanting Jesus to swear to God that he won't torture him. And Jesus said, What is your name? My name is Legion, he said, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. This demon possessed man with a legion of demons, remember, 6,000 are the number of a legion, a Roman legion. And so I, I have no concept of what this guy was going through with that many demons inhabiting his body. Um, and he couldn't control himself or control them. They didn't want to be sent out of the area. See, they were comfortable over there on the east side of the Sea of Galilee among all the pagans, the, the temples to the gods and all the things that went on over there on that side of the sea. They didn't want to be sent away from there. And so Jesus, it says here, a large herd of pigs were feeding on a nearby hillside and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. Jesus gave the demons permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now, I can't even conceive of 2,000 pigs. In the high country, I've seen um, bands of several thousand sheep just covering the high country. But 2,000 pigs, Um, I don't know what that would have been like, but they were feeding on the hillside. And I don't know what it looked like to the people who were watching because Jesus simply gave permission for the demons to leave the man and go into the pigs. And so apparently what happened is the man uh, becomes calm and sane and the the pigs startled and get all agitated and then run down into the sea. And... Here the disciples are, <clears throat> and, and going back to taking these guys camping, we began to see time and again how clueless the disciples were to uh, spiritual reality. Follow Jesus three years, gradually began to dawn on them who he was. And some of the guys said, I can't believe these clowns. I always thought the disciples were so religious and so pious, <clears throat> but they're like us. They have trouble getting it sometimes. And so here the disciples are watching the pigs run into the sea. That they think the abyss is down there anyway. And uh, the man is sitting there calm. So the uh, pig herders uh, ran off and reported in the town and countryside. And everybody from the town and countryside went to see what had happened. Uh, What an amazing story. Uh, They probably thought these guys were making it up to cover their own mistakes because losing 2,000 pigs has got to make a dent in the economy. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and it says they were afraid. (laughs) So here we've got the population of the eastern side, the pagan side, of the Sea of Galilee, observing this rabbi from the Jewish side stepping onto their shore, taking authority over the uh, wildest, strangest, scariest man that they knew anything about. And I don't know what it looked like to them when the man became calm and sane, the pigs agitated, ran into the sea, But it says that all the population, when they saw what had happened, they were afraid. Because here was someone who had taken dominion over the scariest guy that they knew that they were terrified of. And with just a word, this rabbi from the Jewish side of the sea had rescued this man from the demons. Um, Those who have been told the people what happened... To the demon-possessed man, they told about the pigs, and then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave. They were afraid to have Jesus, this rabbi, who had authority, spiritual authority, to stay on their side of the, of the sea. I don't know what they were afraid he would do. Perhaps it was his holiness, um, his power, but they wanted him to leave. And so they said, Jesus, please, you know, just go back where you came from. We don't want you over here. It is amazing to me that Jesus, the day before, at the evening, said, let's go to the other side. They had the thing with the storm, he calmed the storm. They get to the other side. Jesus interacts with one guy and then leaves. It's almost as if Jesus, and maybe the, the uh, tales of this guy had surrounded the sea, it's almost like Jesus had an appointment with this poor man to go over the sea. His primary purpose and mission was to rid this man of the demons. So Jesus was getting into the boat to leave. The formerly demon possessed man uh, wanted to go with him. But Jesus said, No, no. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So this guy. Is thinking, Jesus, you're you're my my savior, my rescuer. You're the safest guy I know to be around. Um, I don't want to be possessed by demons anymore. I want to go with you. And Jesus said, No, go to your family and tell them what has happened to you. Now this this must mean that before this guy was demon possessed, however that happened, that he was married and had kids and extended family probably, and they live somewhere in that region of the Gerasenes. And Jesus is saying, go home to your family. Can you imagine um, the wife and the kids having seen the difference in this man from before? And then when he was demon-possessed, cutting himself and running and and, uh, breaking bonds and scaring people. And they were probably terrified he would come home. (laughs) And then one day he does. And they see him coming up the road and they're like, oh no, here he comes. But after a knock on the door, he tells them, and they can tell right away, he's in his right mind. He tells them about Jesus and what Jesus had done. And the man also began to tell everyone in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Now, if you read on a couple of chapters, you will see where Jesus comes back to this eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. This Man must have done his job very well. He was the, the evangelist to the pagans. Because when Jesus came back to that side of the Sea of Galilee, the east side, 4,000 people came out to meet him and hear him teach. And he fed them 4,000 with a few loaves and a few fishes. So this man certainly did his job. So we see the, the, the theme of awake Many times. Jesus asleep in the back of the boat, um, asleep in a storm. He wakes up, calms the storm. The disciples see Jesus calm the storm. They woke to Jesus' supernatural Son of God identity. The pagans on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, they woke. To the spiritual reality. They had known about the demons and, and what demons could do, but now they saw the uh, majesty and the power and the authority of Jesus, that there was a spiritual reality much greater than that of the demons. Are you awake? Are you woke to the identity of Jesus? Son of God. Jesus came, born in a manger we just celebrated, Lived his life, taught, healed, performed miracles, three years. And then he went to the cross and he died on the cross, taking the punishment for our sins. And then he rose from the grave, demonstrating incredible power over death and ascended to heaven. Are you awoke to uh, who Jesus is? What he can do? I would encourage you at the beginning of this year, um, get yourself a, uh, a picture Bible, uh, Harmony of the Gospels, or just, just your—this is my NIV study Bible. You can tell it's been around on many camping trips. And just read and absorb these incidences that depict who Jesus is and who he wants to be for you. He wants to rescue you because you're someone he loves if you know him as your savior and lord then there's a dimension of jesus that you really want to awake to now because you may be saying well you know doug that's fine uh, all those miracles i believe that jesus did those things that's incredible power but what about now what is he doing for me now i mean i'm in terrible circumstances uh, we got the COVID pandemic. We, we had grizzly fire. Uh, people have financial problems, relational problems, job problems. And we pray that God will, you know, get us out of things or prevent bad things from happening. And they do. It's like, well, how come Jesus doesn't still the storms of my circumstances? What's going on? Well, there's a transition in the Bible. It happens in Acts. Jesus uh, told them what would happen, but they didn't understand the fullness of it. In John 16, this is the last night that Jesus has with his disciples. Um, He spends several hours with them, the Passover meal. The next day, he'll be arrested and crucified. They don't know this yet, but they do know that the Pharisees want to see him dead. The Sanhedrin wants to see him dead. The power of Rome is there to be able to do it. So the last night he's with them, he says in verse 7 of chapter 16 of John, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. (laughs) Are you kidding me, Jesus? You're leaving? You're leaving now? No, we want you in the boat with us when there's a storm. We don't want you going anywhere. They didn't know where he was going. They didn't understand what he was talking about. But he says, if I don't go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Holy Spirit. If you're a born-again believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, who believes that Jesus died on the cross for you and rose from the grave, then in Acts chapter 2, the coming of the counselor, the Holy Spirit, is depicted. And when you first believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live within your soul. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, resides within you now Closer to you and better than if Jesus were beside you. The Holy Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Because when the Holy Spirit within you is present, then whatever circumstances you face, he will equip you for. There are instances even now, perhaps you heard from family and friends or online, of miracles that happen after people pray. And that still happens. But a lot of times the circumstances don't change. And that's when the presence and power of the Holy Spirit within you is available for you to face the circumstances. And here's what what can happen. You can be at peace. You can sleep through a storm. And you can awake and calm the storm of anxiety or fear or anger. Within you that may be boiling around you in the circumstances and the people. When you access, in Psalms, David wrote, Awake my soul. When you awaken your soul to the presence, power of the Holy Spirit, circumstances around you may be difficult, but you are now empowered to have the perspective, the wisdom, the strength of God to deal with those circumstances. And the first way that happens is within you where fearful things are going on around you, but there's no fear within you. The storm is calm. And then you're able to transmit that atmosphere of heaven, that peace that you have within you by the Holy spirit, You can have the wisdom and confidence and compassion to speak and say and do what needs to be done that can help people calm the storms within them. I'm not saying circumstances necessarily are all going to change or that people will change. But what can happen is that whatever you face, you face with the presence and the peace of Jesus inside of you. Are you awake? Are you woke to the presence of the Holy Spirit and what he has for you inside of you to bring into this world? My prayer for you as we begin this new year. Father, I pray for the people who are listening to this, that they hopefully during this time awakened to a new spiritual reality of the authority of jesus and realize that that is present within their own soul if they've come to call jesus christ savior and lord and that you will let them know of the supply within them that is significantly uh, available in any circumstance for them to be able to face with courage and compassion whatever they encounter during this year. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And I pray you not only have a happy new year, but you have a blessed new year with what you have awakened to.